0: Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Wesley demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you.
1: I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take
0: drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris.
1: What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies, I'm your co-host Iris and I'm here with my older brother,
0: Wesley, Wesley,
1: doing his best sloth impression. For today, we are reviewing a movie from 1985. How dare some people not call this a classic, The Goonies. This is definitely a classic.
0: I wonder if I watched this movie now, if this was a 2021 movie, would I be like, this is ridiculous.
1: Every single 2021 tween movie aspires to be Goonies.
0: Right. But if the Goonies intact like it is, you know, not accounting for the dating and stuff, how dated it is. If this movie showed up today, I mean, because that baby in the woo loved it. How
1: is the Goonies dated? Other than Corey Feldman.
0: I mean, like the cars, I guess the clothes a little bit. Like we all know Sean Astin, but Sean Astin looks impossibly young in this movie. And these were the glory (laughs) days for Corey Feldman.
1: Yeah. Now, this predates uh, Stand By Me. Uh Uh-huh. And so he's all fresh-faced and little kitty, and kind of overacty
0: He's mouth. He's meant to overact. He's a a big personality.
1: (laughs) He is. And he has some of the best insults. Like, how many different names they call each other in this movie.
0: A lot. And it it lends to the realness, the realness of kids being kids in a completely different movie than Stand By Me, obviously. There were a bunch of fat jokes in this movie. Like, Chunk was relentlessly beset upon by everyone, kind of right?
1: Yeah, I mean, sometimes to great utility. Mouth uses him to break down the restaurant door.
0: (laughs) And at the same time, it furthers the plot because him, being, him smelling ice cream through a sealed lined freezer door, an insulated freezer door, leads to the discovery of the dead body.
1: <laughs> what struck me this time around watching it critically was how innocently these kids set upon their adventure or how innocently they view it. Like, yeah, I think that Mikey's really compelled by this possibility and potential of rich stuff. But really, he just wants to have fun. Like when he and Data are like skipping to the restaurant, they're not like hell bent on finding Willie's treasure. Like 90% of this is them having fun in their last day in Astoria.
0: Maybe the reason this strikes a chord is that I like the realness of at least embarking on this adventure. It leads them into some pretty surreal places. But I like the idea of we're at home and we're trying to think of how to save the goondocks. Let's check the attic where dad might have left some untold rich stuff lying around that could totally save. Like any place that's dark and musty and cobwebby is an archaeological expedition for them. Like why would there be <laughs> rich stuff in the attic? I guess because his dad worked for the museum.
1: Exactly, and I and that that was kind of like over my head or like not even like a concern when I watched this a hundred times before. Right, this is the leftover stuff that wasn't curated, wasn't selected for showcasing in a story, the history of a story museum, but. Was the impetus to go up into the attic to find money, to find rich stuff? Yeah,
0: they literally jumped up and went, rich stuff, rich stuff, and climbed up there.
1: It was kind of weird how on board Brand was. Like, Brand was all into it. But for the rest of the the movie, he's just trying to... I don't know. I guess, is Brand afraid of his mom?
0: Everybody's afraid of their mom. (sighs) These were the stakes. Their biggest fear was getting caught and getting grounded. Until, of course, the Fratellis come along.
1: The Fratellis... What exactly is their business? They don't, they're do not they not looking for treasure, right?
0: No, they're olive oil smugglers or something. Well, I, I don't know that they have a plan once they're all back together because obviously the brother is in jail and they got to get the brother out and they have a plan for that. I don't know how that plan was communicated, but it seemed like it wasn't meant to be a clean getaway. It seems like that car chase was always in the cards.
1: Trust your mama, boys.
0: Right. And they probably coincided it with the beach truck race. I don't know I don't know what their business it was general criminality, right?
1: I guess so they they were just the means to introducing sloth.
0: did you figure that ice cream was meant to last throughout the off season?
1: <laughs> in the deep freeze, I guess
0: did you know that your apples are like years old?
1: My apples? yeah. apples? They
0: pick any apples from the store. They, I mean, it's not like Trader Joe's or something. But generally speaking, they pick the apples, they wax coat the apples, and they put them in an extremely low oxygen environment. And they can be in that cold storage for years. What? Yep. No. Yeah. So maybe it's the same with ice cream. Got to be careful with dairy, though, and, you know, contamination from the dead bodies.
1: Wait, I'm stuck on this apple thing. Why would they hold them?
0: Because obviously apple apples are seasonal and they have to stockpile for demand. So you load all the apples at once and they're clean and uniform and ready to go and and they can control spoilage that way.
1: So I'm guessing that the old Seaside restaurant was just their hideaway. Yep. And they were laying low for a little bit while they disposed of some bodies right. and then <laughs> and then we're gonna be on their way.
0: It does seem otherworldly though. It doesn't seem like what we are used to in Southern California. I think Oregon is pretty distinctive and it's like rocky coastlines and they spend 90 percent of this movie soaking wet (laughs) i I, I mean i remember going on these adventures when i was a little kid i remember and they were they mostly involved water so that i wonder if they were goonies informed but i remember at night going outside and hosing down all the trees that were arching over our walkway up to the front door and then i would like creep out of the door in the dark through this like drippy cavern Of trees and and wet ground and like creep around and stuff. I remember breaking into people's (laughs) garages and stuff. We'd like climb through people's windows and poke around through their stuff and find costume jewelry and be like, oh, my God, we're going to sell this and we're going to be rich. Uh... Obviously, this has got Steven Spielberg written all over it. It's kind of a youngish movie for Richard Donner, who had all the lethal weapons and stuff around this time. And this was like his kid adventure. And by all accounts, he wasn't a super huge fan of kids.
1: What does that mean?
0: I don't know. He just he said that these he said he loves them. He said they were all wonderful, but they would not shut up and they were just too much. There's a story when you ask Steven Spielberg about his favorite Goonies experience. It's having Richard Donner say two more weeks and I'm out of here. I'm going to my vacation home. Get away from these kids. They're they're killing me. It's just too much. So right after they wrapped, Steven Spielberg flew all of them to Richard Donner's house in Hawaii and they were waiting for him and like laying in his bed and left all their stuff around his his uh, beach house when he got there. No. I mean, this is just a fun cast. And Richard Donner said that as the process went on, they rehearsed and they were all having fun. And then they all became little actors so that they would not step on each other's lines and all this careful stuff. And it became kind of stilted. And uh, and he was like, go back to what you were... Like, be kids. Be the ones that you were in rehearsal before the camera started rolling. That's way better. Way more natural. And then, of course, it pissed the editors off.
1: Oh, because now they had all of these weird performances to piece together?
0: Well, I've definitely... been there but he said they were like talking over each other and it just made continuity impossible and clean cuts and i've definitely had casts in my show like that it's like just for a second shut up
1: (laughs) Mm -mm. well i think that was virtually impossible for the mouth character but you can see the direction on the kids faces like as appropriate as it seems for the story and for kids in general like it doesn't seem overly theatrical like i can see them all opening their eyes wider than is natural because they're supposed to be the wide-eyed dreamy starry-eyed kids who are embarking on this great adventure but did you notice that in their performances that whenever they have a little monologue they like go all somewhere over the rainbow and their eyeballs get all big
0: I mean, this is how kids acted when I was a kid in their age and watching the movie. I'm almost exactly these kids age, except for for Josh Brolin.
1: Yeah. And Josh Brolin, our token older brother in this film who brings all of the all of the romance and uh, intrigue
0: and who spends the entirety of the movie in sweatpants and a headband. (laughs) <laughs> like, unlikely adventurer uh, outfits, right? Chunk is in a Hawaiian shirt the entire time. Um, to that end, Andy and Steph, from their color schemes, did they vaguely resemble Scooby-Doo characters to you? Huh. Like, they were kind of <laughs> Daphne and Velma, but inverted. Yeah. <laughs> and they're on the, their great mystery or whatever. And then everyone else dressed like little kids, except for Data, who's nuts.
1: I mean, Data's, what, he's like wearing a trench coat?
0: Yep, because he's got to cover all his adventures. This was the golden age for Ki Kwan. And when everyone knew who he was from this in Indiana Jones, he was like the adventure kid.
1: Yeah, him and, and River Phoenix. They're like up there.
0: Yep. Also Indiana Jones related.
1: Yeah. Ki Wei Kwan, he's still like a working actor and. Doing his thing,
0: he said a couple of years ago that he his resurgence came. He really wants to get back into acting full time because of the doors movies like Crazy Rich Asians opened.
1: Yeah, and he's got all these credits and all this experience to back him. I'm just noticing now that he was an Encino Man, which we should definitely review that movie. He
0: was. uh He wanted to get them to join the computer club or whatever. Computer club. Computer club. Mm.
1: But is now we always have to talk about this when we're talking about wait what.
0: That was Sean Astin.
1: Encino Man?
0: Sean Astin, ki Wei Kwan, reuniting for Encino Man.
1: Wow. Yeah, Sean Astin, you know, pretty illustrious career. From the Goonies, one of my personal favorites, all the way through the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and then um, having a pretty touching role, emotionally pivotal role in Stranger Things. Yep.
0: When they introduced him, Sean Astin, the most accomplished genre actor of this type, as Bob Newby. Uh...
1: Uh, he was such a sweet character.
0: Everybody loves Sean Astin. He was Rudy.
1: Goonies 2? Is that that for real? Goonies 2 is in development?
0: No, they they talked about it. They always talked about it, but we lost Richard Donner. Uh, RIP Richard Donner. We lost him last year at like 91 or something. And uh, that killed the Goonies. But Steven Spielberg said we were going to have to wait because they kept trying it every couple of years, trying to crack it. They got to make a better story and they never quite got there. I think along with Goonies, the idea of getting Mel Gibson and Danny Glover together for the Lethal Weapon 5 uh, died along with him as well.
1: So you think there's no chance for Goonies 2?
0: I mean, I would have thought there was no chance for a Top Gun sequel once we lost Tony Scott. And here, here we are. Maybe one day.
1: And maybe with Val Kilmer.
0: Yeah. I'm saying nothing is out of the question when it comes to making money in Hollywood. But I think it would have to be like without Steven Spielberg, it could never happen. We'll see.
1: OK. Favorite scene or moment from the Goonies?
0: Uh, I like the Indiana Jones treasure hunting sequence and the one eyed Willie trap stuff. The Rube Goldberg stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Ro- Rube Goldberg's are all o- all over this. Like the super unnecessary elaborate R- Rube Goldberg to open a fence. And
0: they were just young successors to uh, Chester Copperpot, right? And uh, all the booty traps.
1: P- Copperpot didn't set up those booby traps, so that was all One Eyed Willy.
0: Right. So because they had the Rube Goldberg to open the gate, the unnecessary would have would have taken forever to reset that machine <laughs> every time they wanted yeah. to open the front gate for Trunk, who could have climbed over the fence mm-hmm. and saved himself the embarrassment of the truffle shuffle. <sighs> Which I thought was going to come back around. I thought, you know, initially it was going to come back and save him. Like he would have to distract them with the truffle shuffle or something and make them laugh. And then Sloth would swoop in and beat them all down or something.
1: Didn't Jeff Cohen get the last laugh eventually?
0: Yep. Entertainment lawyer. Isn't that what you wanted to do for a minute?
1: Be an entertainment yeah, I could have done that.
0: I I like the implausibility of the Indiana Jones sequences where those, uh, you know, 100-year-old twigs and rope contraptions would still work. To potentially kill you and the floor would fall away into a glowing chasm and the bone organ and and all the rocks falling and the water slides and stuff.
1: Yeah, bone to pick with the bone organ. That's probably my least favorite.
0: Bone to pick.
1: Probably my least favorite of all the the tests or the gates or the booby traps or whatever it is that they have to pass. Booby traps. That's what I said. Booby traps. That one was that's probably my least favorite. And maybe it's because so and so is all flustered and like, you know, is forgetting her piano lesson teaching and stuff. But like that seemed like the least plausible, silliest test.
0: It was a lot. I mean, they weren't like, but realism. No one, no one. There was no realism consultant on the Goonies. I don't know. Some of it was dumb. In particular, the weird like rattling of the pipes and how the pipes change the town and like how Sloth pushes up the pipe and crosses a car wreck, apparently, where the response yeah, time and- for the police was immediate. It's like, like crash. Wah! Woo, woo, woo,
1: woo. Uh, And that it would shoot Troy off of the toilet seat.
0: (laughs) Right. Everything is connected. This whole movie is a Rube Goldberg device. Right. The water pipes burst and then the water pressure knocks down the stone wall and reveals the secret glowing passage. And they literally stumbled into this adventure.
1: And Troy is using the pulley to get the well bucket up, right. and he doesn't realize that Andy is not on the bucket. Like, <laughs> is he? Does he just think that she weighs nothing?
0: Right, hauling her up, and it's it's a jacket. Right, it's because you have to see his face fall. You have to see Troy get his comeuppance, but he doesn't really, because he's still snarling and like he's. I didn't realize he's the one who's yelling at them at the end. Like you guys failed, and and your houses are going to be dust tomorrow.
1: Well, yeah, you notice that the dudes who come to the door, the dude who's like all all patronizing them and he's and then brands like no your mommy's out buying us pampers uh he's troy's dad
0: right that's what uh, data says i think they let kiway kwan go he's like talking about how he can't take it anymore how everybody expects something of data and data's like falling through the floor and nobody cares like <laughs> data you're mad that you just fell through the floor and no none of the guys are listening to you and they just let him go and his broken english he's so adorable
1: I was thinking about that. Like, um, I really do wish that I did like an inventory of all the insults they use. But some of them seem so random. I can't imagine that they were all scripted.
0: They made it up, dude. You turkey. It's like stand by me. We think, oh, this is like 50s terminology, like wet end and all this stuff. They probably made it up on the spot. It doesn't mean anything. But at the same time, these kids were in in the best 80s sense. These kids were definitely tropes, right? Funny fat kid. Confused, overachieving Asian kid. The older brother jock kid on the little girl's bike. The equally jockey Mustang 5.0 Troy.
1: He's the he's also the uh, whiny rich kid trope.
0: The hyperactive, kind of hysterical Steph character. Oh yeah. The, like the best friend, and then the the cheerleader girl in junk. And Kelly Ray was like, I don't remember this many Andy underwear shots.
1: Um, that Troy. Conveniently looks at through the the rear view. When when, when we get other underwear shots?
0: Uh, well, the, she's climbing around, and you like. I don't think it's underwear though. I think it's like those shorts that are that's also a skirt. But uh, yeah, there's also those kids. Those kids definitely existed. I've been on adventures where you're like all into the intrigue and scariness of it, and then there's those two kids who just came along to make out. <laughs> those kids definitely <laughs> exist. Where anytime they're away from their parents, they're only interested in smooching.
1: Uh, and she gets the mac on with both the brothers,
0: albeit uh, unwittingly.
1: Yeah, she's kind of um, she's kind of like the Labor Day chick who's like all kind of feral. Andy wasn't quite so feral as she was just like hot and bothered all the time.
0: Yeah, I guess so. And kind of uh, imperiled. We needed we needed Andy and uh, Steph for screaming. I, I also <laughs> like the Fratelli's dynamic. Anne Ramsey is the best, also from Throw Mama from the Train. But Joey Pants and uh, Robert Davi. I think we're great as realistic brothers, more so than Brand and Mikey. Because let me tell you, if the little brother had kissed the older brother's girlfriend and then she went up to him and is like, you keep kissing like that. And, you know, you won't know what to do with all the girls that come around or whatever. And Brand's not punching him in the head. That's unrealistic <laughs> brother stuff. Whereas I thought the Fratellis, who <laughs> were like fully throwing pizza at each other and fighting outright, that was pretty realistic <laughs> brother stuff. He like hits him in the face. They never get along.
1: Is it realistic brother stuff for them to pull guns on each other?
0: Yes. In in that case, those brothers absolutely.
1: <laughs> and and Mama's like, knock it off. Right.
0: So you weren't you weren't a big fan of the bone organ?
1: No, the bone organ didn't work for me. Even the stuff when they actually get to the pirate ship, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of cheesy. But at that point, we're I'm so invested. So immersed in this world. Even watching it critically, I couldn't be nitpicky about how unrealistic it is.
0: Yeah, it speaks to your childhood. I mean, yes, there's also definitely some slapsticky moments and some Mm -hmm. funny sound effects. And Data is, you know, right at the forefront of that. There's like nut shots and punching sounds and stuff. But it does get kind of ridiculous. And this is Donner and company being restrained. What? You remember when they get out of the uh, organ challenge and the floor falls away and they creep along the thing and they go into that rock with the glowing eyes? It looks like a skull. Yeah. Yeah. Sean Aston said there's an elaborate sequence that was cut where that thing, they get trapped in there and, and the next part they go in and, and the water fills up and they're all going to die and they're gasping for breath and one of them swims down and finds like a plug. And pulls it out and saves him at the last minute. You know about the octopus story, right? What? (laughs) Don't give me what. There's a song on the soundtrack about the octopus scene called Eight Arms to Hold You With. Or Eight Arms to Hold You or whatever. (laughs) They, When they get into the water and they see the pirate ship for the first time, they're immediately attacked by an octopus, like a realistic looking octopus with the beak in the center of the tentacles underneath and the eyes. And like Steph gets all wrapped up and the octopus keeps grazing her butt and she thinks it's mouth and smacks him in the head. And then they wrestle Are with you the octopus. Kidding? No, they wrestle with the octopus, and then like somebody swims down and puts like a radio in its mouth or something and it swims away and it looks so terrible. They cut it and it's maybe their their greatest moment of restraint in this film in an already fantastic and ridiculous film. They at least have the sense to cut out that moment. But it still remains when uh, when they get out of there and data's like the and the giant octopus was so scary, and the news reporter's like, giant octopus?
1: Oh, I just thought that was them, like, elaborating on. Right,
0: embellishing and, and kind of trumping yeah. up their story. Nope, that octopus scene exists and was cut.
1: No, I mean, have you seen it?
0: Yes, and so while they're getting attacked by said octopus, the Eight Arms to Hold You song is playing in the background.
1: They went kind of out there.
0: There was a a subplot cut about all the, the Rube Goldberg stuff and all the pipes and how stuff was going haywire in the town. It triggered some security thing, Jurassic Park style, at the zoo. And a couple of apes ran amok in the town and stole Troy's car. What? They shot a subplot. Steven Spielberg insisted on two apes running amok in Astoria, you driving were, driving trolleys. At this Mustang.
1: point, you could be saying anything, and I would be like,
0: what? So you wonder, how did Goonies, with all its flaws and all its cheesiness, and you're like, I was totally willing to overlook any crap that this movie throws at me because I love it so much and because it's part of my childhood. What if this had been the monkey car driving octopus attack movie? <laughs>
1: Well, I mean... If you if you can extract it from the movie and it remains intact, like by all means, you should take it out. Like, obviously, those weren't central or integral to the storyline to function because they seem pretty out there and I can't really see a place for them within the film.
0: So was there any peril, do you think, real peril in The Goonies? Was there ever the idea that any of them wouldn't make it out alive? I mean, yeah, there's Fratellis and there's guns and they're kind of funny and bumbling and stuff. And there's danger for the kids. But Either revisiting it now or when you're first watching it as a kid, were you invested in such a way that you were scared that something might actually happen to one of them? Or is it all just fun?
1: The real danger is that the friend group is going to be broken up. And that's what I was worried about. That's what was at stake for me.
0: They almost died like 30 times. Chester Copperpot was a professional adventurer, and he only made it to the first hallway.
1: They're not... (laughs) They were on a, a, a giant water slide.
0: Yep, underneath the pizza parlor or whatever.
1: I mean, they weren't gonna die. They were they were never in true peril. They were gonna they were gonna get caught or grounded or they would have to move away from each other. Those are the stakes that kids worry about, and really, frankly, that's all, Those are all the only stakes that kids really should be worried about.
0: You remember the video games where you'd have to explore a little bit, but the map would be blacked out. And you wouldn't be able to see where you are until you explored that part of it?
1: Um, no.
0: Games like Silent Hill were notorious for this, where you didn't know where you were unless you had visited it and that part of the map would be revealed. And Goonies feels like an adventure movie where they sort of make it up as they go along. It's almost as if it were purely imagination driven. Does that make sense? They're like, well... They would go up into the attic and find the skull that leads them to the, uh, the restaurant because they're looking for the rock formation on the coast. There happen to be murderers or criminals hanging out there. They escape underground underneath the fireplace and find themselves in a wondrous cavern, which leads them to the pirate ship and stuff. It just it didn't seem like it really had a plan. It's based on where you are, and that pizza place is the opening to an underground pirate lair.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, when you look at the Goonies, I see that it's just a masterpiece in tone, a very difficult tone, probably for the filmmakers to find. But once they found it, they stuck with it. And it's the consistency with the tone that kind of lets the filmmakers take the viewer wherever they want to go. And it can be as kind of random and loosely connected as necessary to kind of keep us moving through this adventure. But like maybe the octopus and the and the gorillas or whatever. I mean, maybe they just tonally didn't work. And as random as they might be in comparison to some of the other sequences that made it into the final cut. And it seems like it's an exercise in how Tonal consistency can really result in a satisfying movie experience.
0: But you bought those stories, right? The the octopus and the apes run amok.
1: Is that not true?
0: <laughs> it is true, but it seems ridiculous <laughs> as I was saying it. it's I mean, it could,
1: this is one of those movies where you could certainly wake up at the end and have it had been all a dream, right? Absolutely. Except it's not. This is, it's fun, and I'm willing to accept that Corey Feldman as mouth, would hold his face over the faucet long enough for it to register on screen, even though the normal flinchy reaction would be to move your face out of the stream of the water immediately.
0: (laughs) Okay, so let's wrap this up with a couple of questions for you, the ultimate Goonies fan. Go. Does the last booty trap, where the Fratellis greedily grab at One-Eyed Willie's cache of gold coins that Mikey told Data not to take, anything but that, Is that what opened the cave? Yes. Or was it the dynamite?
1: The scale was booby-trapped.
0: So it was booby-trapped in what respect? That rocks were going to fall down?
1: That the whole thing would be released. The
0: pirate ship? Yes. Okay. So were there supernatural elements in the Goonies? Whether it be the octopus, which, of course, we didn't see. Now, bear in mind, this octopus scene does appear, has supposedly appeared in, like, cable cuts. There were a bunch of scenes that appear. This is one of those weird movies where people swear they remember that octopus scene. And they swear they remember this or that scene. An establishing scene with Andy and Steph and Troy in and, and a liquor store that, that happened. It just wasn't in our cut. Different versions. Slightly different versions.
1: I'd like to see those.
0: I mean, you can. Everything is available online.
1: Supernatural, no, and especially not in the Pirates of the Caribbean sense of the term.
0: So then how did the pirate ship sail away?
1: It was in that cave. And once the cave was opened up, the the currents carried it out. They weren't like ghost pirates, like manning the ship, if that's what you're asking. Well,
0: I'm saying it sailed away. And we just read in the heart of the sea. And apparently sailing a ship that size requires a lot of manpower.
1: Not in the gusty gales of the Oregon Astoria coast. If we are ever to revisit the Gooniverse, I will fastidiously reject any supernatural elements.
0: I mean, it seemed like those pirates died from starvation because they couldn't feed themselves after the labor of setting up all those traps.
1: How does that explain, like, the daggers in the eyeballs and stuff?
0: I don't know. Is there any world, like, because you have kids now, is there any world where if you were Chunk's mom sloth would come to live with you now
1: i mean (laughs) it's a little bit different than bringing home a pet
0: you gotta be careful with that man he's a human being oh that's i know
1: that's what i'm saying but like you can bring home like a hey i found this cat but like you can't be like i i I found this person and can we adopt him there's like legal issues and stuff to consider all right i mean i don't know i i feel like chunk and sloth found something very special in each other and that the, as a parent, I would do whatever I could to maintain that connection for the both of them.
0: He had loyal friends, man. Chunk had it going on.
1: Yeah. And Chunk, you know, found they were kindred spirits in a sense.
0: OK, last question. As a kid, if you take yourself back, were you scared of sloth?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's hard to I, rem, I don't feel any fear or even like revulsion or anything. But when I was a kid, heck, yeah.
0: When he was walking down that hallway, I'm pretty sure those were bear sounds.
1: <laughs> and when he gets all excited and then Chunk starts bouncing.
0: <laughs> and they're both yelling.
1: In the chair and they're both yelling for completely different reasons.
0: <laughs> He's pretty uh. scary, man. Definitely elements, scary elements for the youngest kids. But then you get caught up in the adventure, and I think that's the beauty of Goonies. It's just, it's an unrestrained, if I were making this movie, because, you know, we've often faulted Steven Spielberg for being cheesy or being too fairy taleish, but this, uh, him as a producer, and Richard Donner, who I think would have been an unlikely candidate, he directed Superman but was otherwise sort of remembered for the Lethal Weapon movies, Uh, He seems like an unlikely character to direct as an older dude, a bunch of little kids. There's a lot of opportunity to not get that tone right, to really mishandle it. And I think they're going all in in a fantastical sense that Steven Spielberg would use to lesser uh, effectiveness in Hook about five years later. Like you said, tonally, I think this is a really solid movie for kids. Goonies is the realest fantasy movie ever. (laughs) you
1: guys that's my Goonies call for and your rating is?
0: it depends this is probably trading purely on nostalgia because I'm not again I'm not sure how I would react to this movie as an adult but I find joy in watching it and so like Stand By Me I would give Goonies a totally rating it's one that I revisit often just not top to bottom because any part of it brings back the fun and joy of being their age and, and seeking out adventure
1: yes A totally from Wes A good from Iris I cannot wait To share this movie With Paloma Now granted I probably watched it When I was her age When I was five If not before I might have watched this When I was four Um, I don't think she's quite ready But I can't wait To share it with her
0: There's some wiener But What do you mean wiener But Statue of David Is a work of art So it's like Artful wiener
1: It's my mom's Favorite part
0: Yep, And lots of swearing
1: Yeah Kind of I don't know where She got it But she now like Regularly says Dang it
0: dang it that's totally from you
1: anyway i was gonna i was gonna peacefully protest if you had given goonies anything less than totally so that's a totally from wes a good from iris that's our review on Goonies, Goonies, goonies the goonies from 1985 available now on hbo max let us know what you think 818-835-0473 or whatever movies at gmail.com thank you for your support and for listening we'll see you next time
0: and live in a life by your own design.
1: Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success.
0: This is Unapologetically Fab.
1: An ElectroCast
0: production. See you there. Electric cast. Welcome to
1: Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a beautiful day